smack them fast. Welcome to another episode of Scarlet Jimmy. This is episode 11 and 2. Fresh off of a thrilling victory over the Saints. 49ers won 48 to 46 in what will go down as the game of the year. And it feels like we say that every week after the 49ers play, but this really had all the makings of the game of the year. I am joined by Rich as always. Rich, what's going on? Uh, not much. How you doing? Good, man. Just, uh, you know, heartbeat finally settled down. I'm sure there's a couple gray hairs. That was something else, man. That was something else for sure. I, I feel like we expected points, but didn't expect that many points. What were you thinking coming into the game? Did you think it would be a crazy high-scoring game? Not like that. I mean, I thought Drew Brees would make some plays, and he did. And I didn't think that the defense would just completely look like they stayed in Florida for the week, which they did. And then, sure enough, all of a sudden it's the end of the second half, and you're up by a point and wondering where in the hell the last 29 minutes went. So I was not expecting that. It had all the makings of a playoff game in week. I don't even know what week this is. Week 14. And yeah, 14. It's incredible. It's gone by so quick. But it just, it had, it had all the makings of a playoff atmosphere. Like this is the start for a lot of teams of the beginning of the end. You know, it's going to come down to these last few weeks. Some teams need to get that first round by. And the 49ers took the next step forward in that process. So hopefully things work out in the end like that. They did. They needed to pass this test. Remember, this is the final game of the quote-unquote gauntlet. And I would say that the 49ers passed the test. It wasn't with flying colors because there were a lot of issues on defense, and we'll get to that. But before we get to the game, let's let's take it to field goals. Who And by not, I don't mean field goals kicking a field goal. I mean, the Seattle Seahawks are lovely Seattle Seahawks friends. Um, they, let's to to be to put it quite frankly they just they're not a very good twitter account and that's where this is going so um it's arguably the worst twitter account that there is which is saying something but um for me like i have no problem giving like russell wilson credit or some anybody credit like i i thought doug baldwin was very very good when he's with the seahawks um but for whatever reason man they they're just super snarky and it just comes off miserable so on the final drive so obviously Jimmy Garoppolo led the team game winning game winning drive. They came back against the Saints, a playoff team. Um, they here's what Phil Goals had to say. Pretty much or quote unquote signature drive for Jimmy Garoppolo. He pretty much did nothing, and the 49ers drive came down to a fourth down on what would have been a three and out if not for Kittle, Gardner Johnson tackling, Marcus Williams face mask, and not tackling. So what they basically said was if all that didn't happen, the 49ers wouldn't have won. You can't do that in football. You just that's not how this game works. <laughs> Besides the play, how was that, Mrs. Lincoln? Like that's essentially what they're saying. You can't go through a laundry list of things that happened where the Gardner Johnson he bear hugged Kittle. You can't do that. That's gonna get called on any time. I don't understand that at all. And then if not for tackling in the Marcus Williams face mask, as if Kittle didn't carry three defenders fifteen yards. Um, but this is pretty much what field goal Twitter account is, and it just makes it so easy to root against the Seahawks, knowing that these are the people running, like running the accounts, and like all the fans are going to get underneath or get underneath them and follow everything they say as well. Um, it, another one of their tweets said the 49ers defense didn't give up more than 20 points in any of the first seven games. Uh, it said that the <laughs> it says the scoring defense has slipped from first to the middle of the pack. What? How can uh, you say that? What are you, what are these words right now? Um, I think they try to clarify that they slipped from the middle of the pack to since like the middle of the season, which is ignoring context because why wouldn't you ignore context to get off a good tweet? But look, I mean, look at the teams that they've played. Look at the offenses and the quarterbacks. Yeah, just sure. I mean, that was going to happen. Big yeah. deal. And. I'm pulling up the football outsiders metrics right now. I, I kind of like there's better. Oh, and what you know it, there's still the second rank defense behind New England. <laughs> middle, middle of the pack. Middle of the pack. That's because they go by yards. They don't look at, you know, and that's football outsiders does do a good job of highlighting this with some of their stats. Is it like, yeah, 
you give up yards, big deal. It doesn't matter if you don't give up points. And the 49ers, you know, they've had a, a few games in there where they might have given up the yards, but not the points. Like the Packers game, well, yep. they didn't give up a lot of yards there, but they gave up, you know, almost 200 yards rushing last week, but the Ravens only scored 20 points. I mean, it. you get stops in key situations and things like that, and that's all that matters. And for the 49ers in the second half of this game, I mean, they held them. Yeah, the, the Saints, I think they would have had two touchdowns in the second half, but that was better than scoring on every single drive like they were doing. Right. In the, in the third quarter, I, I believe the 49ers held the Saints to a 3.3 or 3.2 yards per play. Like, that is the defense that we expected to see. And, you know, it took a long, it took a while because, like you mentioned, they scored on every possession in the first half. But Saley came out with uh, some adjustments. And Saley, Sala came out with some adjustments, and the 49ers made it happen. But the, the the last one was, so this is what caught my attention, because whenever you guys, whenever you guys, whenever somebody just comes at our writers, I just don't understand why. Like, Rob Lauder is probably one of the nicer guys. He said something, he said in the past three weeks, the now 11-2 49ers played the 10-3 Packers, 11-2 Ravens, 10-3 Saints. They emerged 2-1 and despite spending the past week on the East Coast for consecutive away games. This team has nothing left to prove. And obviously, you know, Twitter is going to correct any and every mistake you made. Of course, the 49ers have something to prove in the playoffs. But I understood what he meant. Yeah. Like everybody tried to. Then he tried to. He couldn't even get the jab in there without. (laughs) That's what makes it so perfect. The incorrect. The incorrect. No. So Phil goal said, let's all let San Francisco know in O that they have nothing left to prove this season. Pack it up and start prepping for 2020. I Man, I hope you guys will probably already have watched the game by now. We're recording this right after the game. I really hope that McVay and Golf just take it to the Seahawks because, my goodness, they are an unbearable franchise led by just the guys at the top, man, the guys that are running these accounts and writing for the the team anyways yeah i mean the the team is unbearable because of the fans like if the fans weren't this way up here maybe it's just because i live up here amongst the the seahawk fan base but it's just wild how weird everybody is up here about everything like that yeah it's they are an unbearable bunch no doubt about it okay let's get back to the game so the game certainly took years off of our lives and it added a a handful of gray hairs, I'm sure, that we'll find out when we wake up tomorrow. The Saints scored a touchdown on their first four possessions. They made the 49ers defense look like worse than worse than a middle-of-the-pack defense, worse than – so the 49ers came into this game on essentially like a record-setting pass defense pace, and it looked like they were on the opposite end of a record-setting pass defense. So Jared, Jared Cook – Found himself open down the seam for a couple of touchdowns early on in the game. The tackling was off. The 49ers were playing. I mean, it seemed like they were spot dropping more this game, and I'm sure I'll be able to rewatch it and find out. But Drew Brees was picking them apart underneath, and he was getting rid of the ball so fast that the pass rush really didn't have a chance to get there. So how surprising were you about the, the success that the Saints offense had, or I guess the the amount of mistakes that the 49ers were making in the first half. I guess not terribly surprised. I didn't think it was going to be like that. I mean, it was just the first touchdown to Cook. You know, we can put that on Harris for not tackling the guy, but they're in a three-by-one, and in that situation, I'm almost 99% positive that Fred Warner is supposed to carry him up like that. Now, it looked like... Since he didn't cross the field initially, he went up on his stem, up vertically, and then cut across, that Warner probably figured he wasn't going to cut across. And that's kind of one of the answers to that type of coverage defense so that we cook player doesn't travel with the number three. But I think Warner, if he had just carried it a little bit sooner, he would have been in position to make a play on the pass, and it went just right over him, and then just compounded by the fact that Harris couldn't tackle him when he caught the pass. So that is probably more on Warner than it is on Harris. If nothing else than for the fact that Harris just missed the tackle. And then the other one, 
again, they got the linebacker got lost. I believe it was Al Shire, and he didn't carry him far enough up the seam like he probably should have. So I, I don't know. These mistakes shouldn't be happening at this point in the season with this team that's supposed to be comfortable with this. And then I bet if I go back and look, they might have been plays that were called to exploit some of these coverage rules that the 49ers play now. But it just feels like they, they were too easily correctable mistakes, especially after the first touchdown. Like, they should have known to carry the tight end up the seam. I don't know. It, it'll, the film will reveal more, but those are just my initial feelings of it right now. Yeah, it's it's tough to um, it's tough to make that same mistake on the very next drive. I guess that's what my big takeaway was, knowing that you know they've done they've, the 49ers have actually done a really good job this year, um, because I feel like in years past, especially just with the the cover three type defense, when you get a trips look, so three receivers to one side, more likely than not in this type of defense opposing offenses have had a field day just bringing like the number three receiver across the side to the other side of the field and more often than not you get a linebacker on a wide receiver or you just get some sort of mismatch where the underneath flat player is chasing a guy and he has a couple steps on him and all the quarterbacks do is put it put it on him so yeah Al Shaheer didn't carry him and I, I really can't wait to see that because he just looked like a, a couple steps slow I don't know where his eyes were on that play and then but that also one of the other issues besides just the coverage bus on early on tackling was a problem all game and tackling has oh, not God. been an issue this has I, I don't know if they've been the best tackling team numbers wise but this team has been very very good in the open field we have seen Fred Warner obviously Quan Alexander when he was healthy but just K1 Williams, I mean, and he did it a couple times today where they get one on one in the open field and they just have no problem bringing down ball carriers. But that was not the case today. We saw it on every level, linebackers, defensive line, secondary. And you can't do that against a good team. So I'm not sure what it was with the tackling today, but hopefully we just never see that again because I uh, can't afford to give just better offenses too, like that. Just more opportunities was the. Uh, how surprising was the tackling for you? Uh, pretty surprising. I mean, they haven't. I'm I'm looking up the stats right now to see what they have before this game. I don't think the the grades are out for this game yet. But missed tackles they've had. I can't be right. Does it have 80, a missed tackle stat? Yeah, PFF has a missed tackle stat, and it says 82 for the season. So I don't know, and that that doesn't include today. Yeah, I I so, honestly wouldn't um, count that because when I chart games at the end of uh, using the middle of the week, they don't really they don't count missed tackles. Whereas, like, let's say you're one on one in the open field and you don't lay a hand, you don't get a hand on the person. They don't count that as a, a broken tackle. So I would not rely on yeah. that. Probably not a. There's a lot of other things they do that I don't like. So I, that's just the only place I know to go to get missed tackle stats. Sure, sure. No, I I have um I have something from field goals on team broken tackles from defense and San Francisco is actually they are. Wait, our buddies uh, over at field goals or field goals? I don't know why I said that. Uh, football outsiders. Oh. So plays with broken tackles. San Francisco is looks like towards the bottom of the league they are allowing a broken tackle on 11 percent of the time which is one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleventh worst in the nfl that's pretty surprising but they also I, I think it's also important to say like some of the tackles that fred warner would miss would be like so he missed a tackle and somebody else is right there to clean it up so not all missed tackles are equal as well but yeah, enough about yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, you we know, we talked that. about that a while ago or somewhere. But even if it's a missed tackle, but he forces the ball carrier back inside for little to no gain, and somebody else cleans it up, I don't really, I don't really care. You know, it's, not, it's just you know, a lot of times fans don't have to put the time or have the time to put all these individual plays into context. True. So, which I don't is... know. I don't think I'd put too much stock in it. But today it was an issue. Yeah, it was a big issue. Um, so let's move on to the other side of the ball, the 49ers offense. 
the Saints came into this game as one of the better defenses in the NFL, believe it or not. Um, Football Outsiders has them fifth in just their recent rankings of DVOA. The 49ers scored four uh, first-half touchdowns as well. Sanders, I believe, had 50 yards on the first possession. And then he comes back and makes, I I think it was the third possession, where he makes just an unreal play for 75 yards. First off, he's he's running backwards and fending off a – Marcus Williams, who is one of the best safeties in the NFL, by the way. He's a very, very good player. Makes a catch over him. Before that, I believe it was Eli Apple, where to get into his route, he makes a cut and makes Apple fall. Or one of the defenders fall. I believe it was Apple. But, yeah, just just an unreal play. And then he finishes it, best of all, by outrunning a couple Saints defenders for a 75-yard touchdown. On the afternoon, I believe, Sanders had seven catches, 157 yards, and a touchdown. Just a, I mean, he's exactly what the 49ers needed, but it doesn't stop there, man. Kendrick Bourne was very, very good as well. He didn't have the gaudy stats, but he just came through when the 49ers needed him. He only had three catches for 18 yards, but both those were touchdowns. He also had another catch for a first down, and I believe, so I was looking this up earlier, Bourne has 27 catches on the season, and 23 or 24 of those have gone for either first downs or touchdowns. So he had one bad game where he dropped the, dropped the pass or dropped a couple passes, and it's so funny to see how, how see how easily people turn on somebody. But yeah, Bourne is he is the ideal number three receiver. I feel like especially for a Shanahan offense because you need guys that can make difficult catches or catches when the ball is not completely on target. And Bourne has really good hands, really strong hands, and he's not really affected by contact. So, uh, And I think that's part of the reason why Shanahan relies on him in the red zone so much, because we see it feels like he's drawn up more red zone plays for Bourne than any other receiver. How do you feel about Bourne? So before the season, I was not high on him. I, I just I haven't really been that high on him in the time that he's been there. I mean, and then he had all the drops in preseason – He's had a couple of the big drops this year in key situations, too. And so it just kind of felt like, what is this? Like, why is this guy hanging around? You know, and I thought something they must like him or something. or He's doing something in practice that they really like. Or I have no idea. Maybe he's picking up the offense faster than Pettis is, you know. And this is obviously thinking of this before Pettis has been inactive for the last two games due to whatever injury he has. But. You know, I can see like today I I tweeted out. You know, I was I'm glad I'm wrong was wrong about him because I thought that, that he was a guy that was probably going to get cut after the preseason, just having you know who they had in the receiver core before you know the two injuries to Hurd and Taylor took place. I thought he was somebody that was probably going to be expendable, and sure enough, he they they kept him and he's had some touchdowns in some really key situations for him too. So those. In my mind, you know, I'll take the take the one bad drop that he had against Seattle and toss that out the window now, you know, with the, the game he had today and a couple of the other touchdowns he's had. So glad I was wrong about him, but it's, you know, I think he's finally someone who's solidified his position and come around, even if he doesn't have, like you said, the gaudy stats. I mean, he still caught two really tough touchdown passes today. He did, yeah, and it it seems like there is confidence with Garoppolo throwing him the ball, even on the first down, the one underneath. The ball's, I believe, the ball's a little bit behind him, and he just fights for extra yards, and that's that's what makes it easy to trust him when you see that type of toughness and willingness. So let's let me see here. So yeah, coming into this game, as I mentioned, this was two top five defenses, and it just seemed like one possession after the other. Sean Payton was going to try to one up. Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan was going to try to one-up Sean Payton. We saw some crazy plays in the first half where double reverse pass. Um, we saw this speed option, which Sean Payton first ran to a fullback, and then Kyle Shanahan did it last year. Payton did it this year, and Shanahan returns the favor where it's third and short, I believe. Was that third down or fourth down? On which one? Uh, the the speed option to with Juice. Oh, it was – I don't remember. I tweeted it out too. I think it was like first down or second down, honestly. It, it was – but the, they, the 49ers ran it last year too it, against the Chiefs, and that was the play I, I before – what's that? 
They ran into the same style. Like, it was almost the exact same yeah, look, it was wasn't the same, it? Same exact, like a week, same exact a week play, same exact, yeah, same exact area of the field. It was the play in Kansas City last year before Garoppolo tore his ACL. So I just only remember it because I, I think I'd written about it last year or tweeted it out because it was such a unique play. Yeah, the the um, so on that play, just a really good execution by the 49ers. Just getting first of all, it was a good call by Shanahan. Third and um, one. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, I thought I thought it was. I thought he busted it out on short yard, um, a short and convert situation. Kittle on that on that um play. I don't know if you got a chance to see that. He got out in front and just buried a dude. That guy, man. Is okay. So I said that I feel strongly about this, where I say he is the best non-quarterback offensive player in the league, and it feels like being a prisoner of the moment to say that, especially considering, um, you know, I mean, Michael Thomas is very good. He had 134 yards today. Kittle finished with 67 yards. He had the the touchdown. He had the the final play of the game, essentially for where that got the 49ers down there to convert, but. The plays where he doesn't touch the ball, he just gets so much attention. And it feels like every time the 49ers break a long run, it's probably because Kittle had a block to do with it. Like he just sprung a block. He is just unreal, man. And seeing him do this, like we know it's we know it's coming. We know he's gonna do something very, very good, whether it is stiff arm a defender and not be tackled for another 12, 15 yards like it was on that final play, or just these blocks where he's taking a guy who is lined up in front of him and he's pushing him seven yards out of the way. Just an amazing player, man. There's not really much else to say about Kittle, but he should be in the consideration for the most valuable player. Is that too hot takey? No, and it was, it's been a stupid week revolving a few things that, someone in particular said about Kittle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, and then you just see that play and he's leading, you know, five yards downfield on a block. He doesn't totally pancake the guy, but he, the guy, the linebacker, I can't tell who it is, just can't make the play until, you know, he doesn't make the play at all. He's completely ridden out of it. And Kittle, I have to go back and see if he had some of that on some of these other runs, but it's always, it doesn't matter how many runs it is. It's always one play where it's really in a key situation and he makes that block. All right, let's 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 segue to penalties because for the longest it, it seemed like the Saints were not going to have a penalty called on them today. Um at one point I believe it was late in the first half. It was it was only six so the 49ers had six penalties called on them and they were like they were false starts and whatnot, but there were a couple where it's just like over the course of the game that is where like what is what is going on here? When are you going to call this? It seems like the last few weeks, Bosa is just getting tackled and he's not getting like they're not calling that. And again, I hate I hate talking about the refs, but they've been so bad in every game that it's impossible to ignore it. So let's go through a few plays, a few penalties where one side or the other just may have came up on the short short end. So the big one is. Fourth and 18, Saints go to punt. Tarverius Moore is jet like he's jamming the receiver. He's a punt gunner, so he's going to put his hands on him. He's going to do that down the field. You are a referee guru. Did you know that that was not a, a penalty? Yeah. So I didn't know that, but I, and I I didn't think that. You know, I I, I was pretty sure that you know they weren't going to call it. But yeah, yeah, you go you talk about it. I mean, it's not it's not really because a lot of people don't know it because, again, a lot of fans don't know the rules. And it's not like that's not a dig at anyone. It's just you can't be expected to know like every single little intricacy of every single rule. You know, it's just not possible. And I mean, there's still things that I don't even know about. But as far as that one, I mean, I'd seen that a few times over the last few years. But it's not like again, if it's not it doesn't generate as much controversy as it did as it will today because who the game was against and Sean Payton being on the competition committee. And <laughs> that's a good point. Basically being, he, I mean, I, I hate Sean Payton and I, I don't say this lightly. I don't typically say I hate anybody, but I can't stand the guy. Um, he is the reason why the league has 
the pass interference reviews now because of that egregious missed call in the playoffs. And we all agree it was egregious. They missed it. It was a bad call. But there, it's it's the one bad call, and it's the reaction to it. It was compl- the, the the rule now to where they can review it is a completely reactionary um, decision to that rule. And so he's the reason why, because he's on the competition committee. So I have no love lost for him on this particular play. And in that situation, in a punt formation, the defender can do whatever he wants until the ball's kicked. And the ball wasn't kicked, it was thrown. But he doesn't know that because he's they're in a punt formation and he thinks he's blocking for his kick re- or his punt returner. So he's he can do whatever he wants. He can hold the guy, he can essentially shove him out of the way and do everything all the standard rules apply in that in that situation but he can get away with things like that because it's not kicked and if they think he thinks that they're you know going to kick it they're not you know not going to throw it and so he does it and they don't call it and everybody loses their mind about it on the Saints at least on the Saints side and they think well okay it's not pass interference but what about the holding well, he can hold him. He can't, but he can't take him down. And it says it right in the rule that, you know, it says you can pretty much do anything you want except for holding. And in the in, in the case of holding, it has to be a clear takedown. So he can't, you know, take tackle the guy while he's trying to theoretically block. So that's that's about it. And so it was the right call. I mean, everybody who explained the rule said it was the right call Dean Blandino and for take that for what it's worth, but Mike Pereira and you know, Mike Pereira is a, I mean, he's, I think he's an out there 49ers fan anyways. So people might have issue with that, but he, but they all said it was the correct call and there was no pass interference. And then Sean Payton after the game said he didn't want to take any questions about the, the officiating. So, <laughs> of course. I not. mean, they got, they got away with several things today that weren't called. So, and I'm sure we'll cover a couple of those next, but, I just, it just, it's going to generate controversy because of who the coach is and the drama they've been involved in with the officiating since the NFC Championship game. Yeah, they um. <laughs> but the refs aren't doing any favors today with the Patriots Chiefs game and how that's unfolded so far. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't watched much of that. It's funny, uh, Tarvarius Moore actually tweeted after the game. I don't make the rules; I just play by them. Um, that's exactly how you should approach that. Like he did nothing wrong. He did nothing outside of what he wasn't supposed to do. Speaking of the Saints getting away with um, no calls. So third quarter, the score is 35 to 30. The Saints are driving. It's third and four on San Francisco's 30-yard line. Deep pass, Achille Weatherspoon to Michael Thomas. Thomas goes up for the ball, essentially grabs Witherspoon's helmet, and then he he almost has his entire hand in his face mask. And you're just looking around, and there's nothing. Like there's no the refs don't even like flinch to throw a flag. Just unreal. So the, the Saints turn that into points. So 35-33. The reason I bring this up, obvious non-call. Third and four from the 30-yard line, 15-yard penalty. Who knows? You force them, take them out of field goal range. Saints might get a sack, might get a turnover. Who knows what happens? But the odds are the odds of them getting a field goal, I feel like, are not great. So do you feel like – was that offensive pass interference to you? I thought it was. I mean, he he pulled on the defender and went up over him. I mean, that's – he tried to play through the defender's back to get the ball. I mean, I – I don't know why they called it. I didn't really want to waste too much time on it, but I thought it was obvious that it was. And sure. I would have would have liked to have known what they told. Who was the defender on it? I don't even, I don't remember. Uh, it was Witherspoon. Wait, uh, Witherspoon. They the the side judge was telling Witherspoon something, and wish that we could hear all that, but you know, obviously we can't. But I would really like to know the reasoning behind that one. But I I, I thought it was obvious that it was, and they didn't call it. Okay, so let's um, fast forward seven minutes, 53 seconds left in the game. Third and five. Solomon Thomas gets a sack, but doesn't count. Richard Sherman's called for holding, so third and five is now first and ten. The Saints actually go down and score a touchdown. 
it looked like, and again, you know the rules. To me, here's what I saw. Sherman is pressing, initiates contact within a yard. And I thought that once that happens, once contact is initiated, do you have to let go after five? Or like, how does that work? Because he didn't let go after five. And there was still contact being made like seven yards down the field. So I understand if, you know, if that was a flag, but you can, you can talk about that a little more. I mean, strict definition. Yeah, it was probably the right call, but they're, they're going to look, there's certain things that they look for with those types of calls. And if Sherman, and I'd have to go back and watch it. It, if it looks like if he initiated contact first, they're going to call that all the time against the defender. And it, it, you know, that depends where the refs are when they see it and things like that, because they're always in certain positions. They're not, you know, they're in the same position every play, basically. And and if it was right there in front of, it looked like it was right there in front of the sideline, in front of the side judge. So, yeah, I mean, I understand why they called it. Could they have let it go? I mean, probably, but you know, it, it was like to me, it felt like a little bit of the calls from the Packers game where they called Devonte Adams for that really weak taunting penalty you know i mean there some officiating crews are going to call things by the letter of the law and that's on that's what they did on a couple of these so speaking of letters of the law emmanuel sanders was called for a block in the back that was at what point of the game so the defender is literally going down already like he's he's almost sliding down Sanders does put two hands on him. Yes, he does put two hands on him. What he did had absolutely zero impact of the defender. The defender was already going down, took himself out of the play. The the problem that I have with the officiating and most of the calls is there has to be some sort of human element. You have to be able to, and I I don't know if they're not taught this, but there has to be some sort of human element where, okay, that has nothing to do with the play. I'm not going to call it. So that play was, it was second and five. The 49ers did score a touchdown on the drive, but it was second and five. That made that block in the back made it second and 11. And if not for a, and again, that's when Card, um, the Saints nickel cornerback was called for a holding. So the 49ers were gifted a first down, but man, I don't, that was just mind blowing. That's probably one of the worst calls I've seen all season, and we've seen some doozies. Yeah, I thought they could have let that go. I didn't think that there was any reason they should have called that, just because it looked like he was all you know he was already going to the ground and he tapped him on. It looked like he basically just tapped him, you know, on the shoulder going down from behind, but it wasn't anything that should have been called. Yeah, it, I'm just looking at the Sherman play, not to rehash that, but he's he's grabbed hold of the jersey like six yards downfield. So <laughs> no, okay, I, I do remember that, and I didn't I didn't know if yeah. you had already initiated contact within a yard, like that can continue on or not. So I guess no, it it can't. Okay, yeah, he has to let go at the initial bump. That makes sense. All right, let's uh, let's let's talk about Jimmy G because Jimmy G had a day, and despite what field goals thought, Jimmy G. He had a fourth quarter comeback win. He, I mean, he, a shootout against an, probably the other, the other best team in the NFC and 349 yards, four touchdowns. He'd have an interception, which, you know, should be caught, but it also could have been a better throw. Like both of these things can be true. Completed 26 of 35 passes, just another very efficient, very good game. He had some dimes in this one that's for sure but i thought um i thought he bounced back in a way i thought there there was a couple plays where there's some sacks that he could he can't take there are a couple plays where he just got to throw the ball away man can't have those plays but there are also plays where he's just buying time getting it um avoiding sacks just scrambling around in the pocket and I, that is when he's at his best i feel like is when he can move around with his legs there are a couple of times where there were a lot there was Plenty of protection for him. And I thought he did a good job of, you know, standing tall, hanging in the pocket. And a lot of times you see guys with not a lot of experience after that mental clock of three seconds goes off, they're just taking off and running when they don't have to. So I thought there was a lot of good from Garoppolo today. And obviously his numbers reflect that. And, and that's not always the case. But how do you how do you feel about Garoppolo's performance today? I thought it was fine. I thought I think the only thing 
that was that might have been I wish had a different outcome was the interception. I think he let him a little too much, but you know, he's going to he has one of those throws every other game it seems and it, I didn't think it was that bad. I I mean, he should have probably caught it. And then when I looked at it again, it looked like it went more off his fingertips, so I don't know. I that you can get really nitpicky with a guy and at this point, I mean, I don't think we really need to. That's I think true. he's playing I think he's playing much better than he was. You know, and in the first quarter, on that first drive, he was throwing some tight throws. And then the second touchdown throw to Bourne, which is where you're talking about him, you know, moving around in the pocket and and just keeps looking downfield. I mean, he if he pulls his eyes down and doesn't look, I mean, that's not a touchdown. I mean, he just kept that alive by continually scanning and finding born in the back of the end zone and he's falling basically falling to his left as he throws the pass so it's kind of like any other quarterback who throws that's probably not going to complete it unless they're an elite quarterback and it it was just a it was a really nice throw i mean a couple of those those both those touchdowns to born were tight throws you know and then of course he's going to hit the open the wide open throws too that's just shanahan's offense but i just don't think we need to Unless he makes some obviously like egregious errors or really bad decisions, I don't think you, I don't think people should really nitpick it that much anymore. I mean, Shanahan's going to do what he does, and Garoppolo's going to going to do what he does, and it and it works. I mean, you, do you think that Hoyer, Bethard, or Mullins would have won this game today? <laughs> That's a good point, right there. Yeah. I mean, I'll uh, take even if you think you know, even if you think Garoppolo's average that's still better than a lot of what a lot of teams are dealing with right now. Is Jared Goff average? He'll always be below average to me. I don't know. I think they, cause they play in similar offenses. I just think Garoppolo handles runs out of offense better than Goff does. Yeah, like just, and that's why I brought it up, just because of what they're asked to do. So I feel like Jimmy G just can take his offense, and the ceiling, the ceiling of an offense with Jimmy Garoppolo is just so much higher compared to probably like at least 15 quarterbacks around the league. So I mean, we're talking about just a like a good player, and that's what that's what they need him to be. They need him to be a good player. He doesn't have to be a superhero. Um, we haven't really talked about the running backs. There, there wasn't much to talk about today. I feel like you know, Brita had that long 28-yard run. Mostert had the touchdown run. He had 10 for 69. Brita went 6 for 54. Curiously, Tevin Coleman mixed in there for a series, got three carries, and just re- did, did what Tevin Coleman did. He, uh, I mean, it's, I don't. it feels like I'm just constantly harping on this dude, but uh, it was just weird timing to when they threw him in there naturally they punted the ball and it just so it looks worse but i'm not sure what tevin coleman's role is going to be on this team especially knowing that mostert and brita are just significantly better when the ball is in their hands so mostert had two catches for 40 yards one of them went for 35 yards and touchdown but though like he's just a better player in every aspect to me compared to coleman so i'm not sure what they're going to do with him moving forward what do you think I think he's probably gone, or maybe I don't know. I mean, I I definitely think McKinnon's going to be gone. I don't think we're ever going to see him in this offense, which is kind of disappointing. And I wish things had turned out different for him. But I could see a situation where they're content to roll with what they have into next season, and if that means keeping Coleman, then I guess they keep him. But I I wouldn't be surprised if they let him go. I, I don't think they really need him. So I thought for sure we would hear more of, you know, the vice versa when the 49ers were stopped in the first half on those Coleman carries. They ran it up the middle into a loaded box on third and short, and they got stuffed. It might have been Brita, but it was a a tackle for loss. And I thought for sure we'd hear, why wouldn't you throw the ball after all last week? Or why wouldn't you run the ball? Uh, This seemed like Shanahan knew from the jump what he wanted to do in this game. And he wanted to throw the ball. He wanted to stretch the Saints horizontally and vertically. It took a, it took a little while to get vertically, but horizontally, I think he did a really good job of using the entire field. I really like Debo's usage today. He had the reverse that went for 31 yards. Um, we saw him, like when Debo gets in the middle 
middle of the field. He is just tough. He finished the game five catches, 76 yards. The dagger concept where somebody runs off, which opens up the middle of the field for Debo to run either a slant or more than likely like a 12-yard in. That is when he's at his finest, when he can catch the ball and get a head of steam rolling and just good luck tackling him one-on-one, man. Uh, what? It, how do you feel about just the receiver's performance overall today? I thought it was great. I thought it was as good of a game as any of them could have had. I mean, Debo, I forget what all his his total yardage was, but he had I got yeah, it right he had here. Six yards. Yeah, thirty three on the thirty three on the ground and seventy six receiving, so over a hundred there. No touchdowns, but he, he brings a spark to that offense that you just is you can't get from anyone else right now. I mean, you know what they're basically going to do with him, and they still they just dare you to stop it. Yep, that's a that's and a really then, good. And then Sanders, I, no one saw that coming with the touchdown pass that he had. Um, yeah, that's, what I crazy. What I felt like was Shanahan just was not going to let Sean Payton just have his way. Like he was not going to be out offensive coordinated by Sean Payton. They they were both just digging deep into the bag of tricks. It was really fun to watch. I think the fans were. The real winners today, just the the amount of yards that were in this game. So 49ers had over 500 yards. That is the second time they've done that this season. And that hasn't happened in a regular season game since I believe it was 1990 is what the PR team sent out over to us. Just, yeah, they, uh, they were rolling today. Yeah, so 500 total net yards, and that hasn't happened. Sorry, that hasn't happened on offense since 1999. The five touchdown passes hasn't happened since 1990. Um, yeah, they're rolling, man, and and obviously they're not going to have 500 yards every game for the rest of the season, but just knowing that you can win in these different types of ways I think speaks volume to the type of team that San Francisco is. They can win a 9 to nothing game in sloppy, sloppy conditions, and they can put up 48 on you if they need to against a playoff team, which which matters, I think, because a lot of t- – you know, this three game stretch was supposed to be was supposed to ruin the 49ers. It was supposed to set them back and they're going to be a wild card team. But they beat the brakes off of the Packers. They probably sh- I mean, there was a lot going on in this game, but I, I thought they were going to win beforehand. I wasn't as confident as the game goes on, as we talked about, but they were able to get the stops they needed to. And then the Ravens, you're just not going to play a team like the Ravens often and you're not going to be able to prepare for them like you normally would so that loss didn't really bother me and I was actually more impressed after that loss which is really weird because I am not a moral victories guy at all so uh just real quick let's talk about the turning point of the game I feel like that was the fumble in the second half 49ers got it back what what turned the game around for you that had to be it because as much as the first half seemed like they were overmatched again, uh, I would go with the fumble because obviously they were up by one at the end of the first half, which was just incredible in and of itself. But yeah, the, really what it was going to come down to was getting some kind of stop somewhere on that offense that New Orleans runs, and then they got it. And I believe they scored a touchdown after it, right? That's pretty sh- Yeah, pretty I, sure. I think so too. Yeah, I'm not I'm not oh yeah it is. They did they did score a touchdown off of it, so that was that's exactly what they needed and they got it. Yeah, they got a short field and the defense actually did a good job a couple times on the short field and and they've been good all year in that regard, but uh the offense came through. Who oh is uh, DJ Jones, man. DJ Jones forced that fumble. So yeah, I mean, while there was not a lot of good on defense today, I thought Bosa played his ass off. I thought DJ Jones played well. And they just need timely stops, whether it's Buckner getting a tackle for loss or DJ Jones forcing a fumble. Eric Armstead, tackle for loss. Just those little plays set the Saints back. And so to start the second half, the 49ers turned the ball over with that interception, but held the Saints to a field goal on a short field, which is big. Then they followed that up by a three and out. 
can't I like that was the worst possible time and and that was that was when they decided to get Tevin Coleman going so they three plays and they gave the ball to Coleman each time so three yards six yards negative three yards shocker um a fumble on the next play then touchdown and that's when the offense took off and uh, I mean, took off as they already had a ton of points on the board. That was a good point where you said where they were up to end the first half, which, okay, that like how? How were they up? I don't know. It was just really weird. I mean, they were down, what, 20 to 6 at one or 20 to 7 at one point? Yeah, I believe it was 20 to 7. There was some there was some questionable call. The, the very first decision by Peyton to go for two – Horrible call. Yeah, that, that was in the game. I don't know what that, that might have been a an early turning point in the game that or not a turning point, but something that loomed large later on. Yeah, that that was uh that was dumb because now they they were just chasing after that. So that and the, uh, and the fake punt just I think set them back. That was another fourth and another, eighteen. Yeah, you. Did they think that Moore was going to – they must have saw something in coverage where Moore was going to either blitz or they thought they would have, like, a better matchup because you're just you're throwing a fade route to well, – I don't even know who was the receiver. Was it one of their guys in there too deep? I don't even remember. I don't, yeah, I don't think it was. <laughs> Tarvez Moore had him pinned to the sideline. That that play just had no chance. Since 4th and 18. Yeah, there – there are some head-scratching calls by Peyton that I'm sure the uh, Saints fans are going to be, you know, just very frustrated about. So we haven't really talked about the injuries and a yeah, tough break today, man. Weston Richburg was carted off with a knee injury, and he's, you know, you never want to speculate it, but there's a pretty good chance that he's probably not going to play. Kyle Shanahan says it's not looking good. Richburg left the locker room wearing crutches. D Ford also aggravated his hamstring injury. He didn't last very long at all. I didn't. I didn't really see him out there, honestly. Um, yeah, I didn't either. It, it, I don't think he had much of an impact or played that much, anyways. He, I mean, he he's not a guy who plays a lot of snaps, anyways. When he does play, and then he did probably didn't even register on the stat sheet today. Yeah, I I, I just don't remember him even being on the field. So it must have uh, it must have flared up pretty early. Uh, Richard Sherman left for one play with a hamstring injury. He might have left with an uh, left. I think it was banged up earlier in the game too. So Richard Sherman had that hamstring injury. It was in the fourth quarter. Saints were in their two minute situation. Sherman jogs off the field or jogs off the field. He's, he's clutching his hamstring. Like there's something clearly wrong with him and nobody replaces him. So the Saints are gifted this long passing play. Because there's nobody, I believe it was Ted Ginn, there's nobody guarding him. And all of a sudden, they are uh, in field goal. Uh, yeah, it was Michael Thomas. Yeah. Of, of all players, Michael Thomas is left yeah. wide open. And yeah, that was just, and I thought that if in that situation especially, just go down. Like, of, And you would think that Richard Sherman would do that at all. But he, he, uh, he tried to get off the field, and yeah, nobody replaced him. It was just a tough, tough break for the defense. K1 Williams also left with a concussion, but I think he came back as well. So there, we're going to get some updates tomorrow morning from Shanahan, I imagine, and I don't think that Richburg's news will be good, which is pretty tough. I don't know if this is a hot take, but I think he's been far and away the best offensive lineman on the roster this season. He's been very good just as far as checks, running, um, just – pass protect he's been a very he's just a really good player and the 49ers need that and he's he's been the glue guy up front up the middle uh it's gonna be tough to replace him ben garland he's fine but he's not richburg i guess is the best way to put it uh what do you think about richburg's loss yeah it's pretty big he uh he he definitely be felt i mean it was felt in the seahawks game and they just blew up garland when he was in there and then i believe they got him back in the game but who, man, good thing we're going into the kind of this weaker stretch with the Falcons and then the Rams because it's it could get it could have been a lot worse. And hopefully by week 17 in the playoffs, Garland figures it out. But I didn't think he did that bad um, coming in, you know, and they, the Saints aren't, you know, they're not scrubs by any means up on the front four there. 
and he still play, he still held pretty good when he needed to. So maybe he fills the role kind of the same way that the backup tackles did. You know, not like elite or or great, but good enough. So hopefully they've got something there with him. But as far as Richburg goes, I mean, there's it's again there's nobody that can replace him. Nope. They, knows the offense like he does that plays like he does. So it's going to be tough, but I think they can probably manage the, you know, the last set of games here if they have to, and they're probably going to have to, because it didn't look good. Yeah. It, it didn't at all. You could, you could tell, I mean, whenever they bring the card out, that, that pretty much tells you all you need to know about an injury. So that first round by will probably be even more important just to play as little game, the least amount of games as you possibly can to get to the Super Bowl. Um, very good win though. Very impressive win. Very good game. Like we were treated to a hell of a game today, man. Um, I would watch that over and over and over. Like I'm going to watch this game tomorrow night instead of Monday night football, just because I mean, just looking forward to rewatching it and seeing everything that I missed. Who is your player of the game today? I'm going to go with Emmanuel Sanders, and I know he did his work early, but he still was responsible for two touchdowns, one throwing and one long touchdown that they beat the coverage on with the same play as Kittle did against the Packers two weeks ago. So Sanders gets my game ball for whatever that's worth. I thought he was far and away one of the better receivers out there today. He was, and I am going to piggyback off that. I thought the Sanders was excellent, and yes, he had the majority of his yards early in the game, but that's when you set the tone. You want to come out, and you want to come out blazing, and he did a very good job. And the touch, like, when you give up a score, if you can answer a score with a score, like, that to me is a sign of a good team. You can answer a score with a score, or you can go score, stop, score. Like, those little trends right there are what I look for, and the 49ers have done that all season long and Sanders had a lot to do with that today. So uh, very impressed with his game today. Uh, Impressed with honestly, just about every offensive player and just talking about Garland, how he hung in there. He did a really good job. The the two sacks came, they were on Jimmy. I, I want to I want to get that out there, but it was Thomason that was beat. I think that was just over like three and a half seconds. And the last one on McGlinchey was like a five second sack. I'm not going to put that on him, but yeah, it wasn't Garland getting beat, and that's the main point here. So just getting as much rest that first round by and just, you know, the scheme will help because Shanahan's still Shanahan. He's going to help him out. And I don't know if we'll see a different type of running, just zone runnings or just, you know, more man power schemes, but we'll see. We'll get there. Very good game overall. We will get out of here on that note. Uh, the Seahawks are about to kick off against the Rams. Hopefully the Rams just beat the brakes off of them so I can tweet at Phil Goals. All, uh, Rich. Where can we find you on the Twitters? You can find me tonight at Rich J Madrid on Twitter, rooting for the Rams. Yeah, go Rams! I will be at KP underscore show, but I'm probably gonna, you know, take it to Niners Nation and uh, take it to another level of trolling. It's what I do best. Thanks, guys. Man, hell of a game today. 48-46, 11 and two. We will see you later.